welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. Yep, that is correct. Wow, you yepped it very, uh, pretty, like, I don't know, you you just seemed not in it today. (laughs) Well, um, for for those listening at home, I did take the day off sick, so I am, if my voice sounds a little off, that that is why. Hopefully I won't cough too much. Yeah, well, if if he will try to edit those out anyway, so I will try. Well, so if you've been uh, home at sick all day, what have you been playing recently, Zach? Yes, well, I've been playing recently Warcraft Three, or uh, as we refer to it on our show, Warcraft I I I Reforged, which is a recent release from uh, Blizzard. They uh, are doing a, it's an HD remaster of Warcraft Three. Reign of Chaos and its expansion pack, Frozen Throne. Um, it actually came out the end of last month, January twenty eighth, twenty twenty. I picked it up. It has so far not great reviews. Um, it's currently <laughs> averaging at yeah, it's currently averaging at a sixty of hundred on on Metacritic. It, it, it suffered from a lot of issues early on in its release, um, including user interface being messed up. Uh, the graphical stuff that they promised to improve look wor- looks worse than it did when it came out in the early 2000s. Um, and there's a, a couple of game-breaking bugs that apparently existed in the game that I hadn't got to yet. Um, I'm replaying the campaign, so I haven't had any major issues with it yet. I've just been kind of enjoying the Warcraftness of it. Um, the Warcraftiness. So, so far, or craftiness of it yeah so so far i like it i can definitely see where people have some complaints though a lot of the upscale or uh, hd remastering they did for like the cutscenes and stuff doesn't look actually that good <laughs> so oh. that's yeah. not that's not yeah it's it's blizzard is having a rough go lately uh with uh with this warcraft remaster and there was something though there wasn't there some controversy around overwatch too yeah, there was some controversy. Not, I meant Overwatch, the number two, and also Overwatch two o o. Yes, yes, yes. There was some. There was controversy with Overwatch, the number two, and Overwatch as yeah. well. So um, that's uh, eh, yeah. Well. They, they've been they've been they've been trying. Um, hopefully, they will start to put out some patches and stuff for for this game and update it. Um, I know last time I logged into it, there was a two gigabyte patch that was available for it so i don't think the original warcraft 3 was two gigabytes no i don't think it was either um and is it restricting you from uh from playing with uh your like playing the original game it's keeping you from playing the original game i haven't encountered that i've been able to play through the campaign fine what what about Um, like custom maps and stuff you don't do that uh custom maps and stuff um there's some weird stuff going on with that now Mm -hmm. um for one thing uh blizzard is basically saying if you make a custom map it's theirs yes uh so people yeah so people are very happy about that um another issue Uh, that uh, at least i i haven't been able to figure out how to do like a custom map with ai that's not online so that's been a weird little thing to that's one of the reasons i've been playing the campaign is i don't play a lot of online warcraft i used to just play the campaign and then i played like custom maps with ai um and it's it's I, I haven't been able to figure out how to get the the custom map stuff to work offline um so i might just like fiddle around with it or that might just be a problem that I, i'm just not aware of right yeah but what about you what what have you been playing so um in our last episode episode uh 10 we talked about uh, a game that i was excited about in the by weight pass segment i said i was going to pass on or wait on it it was called yes, not yep. for broadcast and i actually uh bought it so oh cool I, I i played the prologue like i said i was going to after the podcast i had a great time in the prologue and because of uh the prologue i went through and i purchased it it was like i think 15 bucks 14.99 i wasn't too bad uh the game's in early access so it's not technically out yet um but so it was uh, early access. They have three chapters. I've played through two of the chapters, and uh, it's interesting. Um, I think part of the piece of the game that I missed from the the de- like the de- well, it's in the demo, but like it's not evident by the store page is yeah. that 
there is like a choose your own adventure game in between the chapters so you have to go through these different questions so it starts you off with like day one you take over this guy's job and then the days pass and you kind of develop your character by answering different questions about how you feel about different laws and they're related to your family and different things that you're doing for your family and how you're living and the days go on and you you try to these different questions will eventually lead you to like picking up like advertisers so then you take the uh advertisers and you essentially get money into these advertisers and investments and then you get to decide because you're in charge of the tv's advertising which advertisers you play so if you (laughs) so if you invest in an advertiser you can play their advertisements more so then they'll draw popularity but if you invest in an advertiser that sells toys that kill children and you invest in their advertising to project these toys that are defective then now you're you may be getting money back from your investment but you're also pushing forward a toy that is defective and kills children so you have that moral (laughs) quandary there that you have to kind of go through but overall it's a it's a pretty good game Uh, i recommend it it's very uh fast pace and kind of overwhelming at some points because the you have the broadcast TV screen, you have the live TV screen, and then you have the different feeds. And you have to change up the feeds and you have to follow people as they talk while you're still trying. To, and also like cut, um, beeping out people when they swear at the right time. And it's very intense. And even even being instructed on what to do in the like the intro chapter is still like a you still can score poorly. And then it rates you. And I think another part of the game that I really enjoy is the uh, the rush room. So you can go back and you can listen to what the people in the studio are saying when like advertisements are playing and you can't hear or there's like you're cut to a live segment. You can listen to the uh, the people making and there's like drama that's going on in the studio and you can record it you can listen to it because you you know the studio records everything oh, cool yeah i'll have to i'll have to uh try it out i still haven't played the uh the the free demo yet prologue. but i will yeah the prologue but I'll, i will give it a shot nice so there's uh that um so we're for this particular episode we were uh going to go back to our console episodes that we've done so we've talked about nes we've talked about sega genesis mm-hmm. we would be rude to not talk about snes the super nintendo entertainment system so uh what memories do you have with playing the uh the snes well so the memories i have playing the snes mostly come from um the fact that we we didn't we never owned a super nintendo uh, if you've listened to our Sega Genesis and our NES episodes, we talked about how those were the two consoles that we pretty much had for the longest time. Um, eventually, we got an N64 um, and then a GameCube a little uh, like a while way later. But primarily, growing up, we had the we had the Super Nintendo or the original Nintendo and the the Sega Genesis. Right. Um, so the only time I've played Super Nintendo is at people's houses, and um, we had a family friend of ours. Uh, my godmother who had uh who had a super nintendo that uh i would play the super star wars games on um specifically super return of the jedi um and then our aunt also had a a super nintendo um which is where i think i played uh mario rpg and a couple other games for the first time and i think the super mario world which is yeah super mario world i think that's pretty much like a staple snes game right there yeah yeah, um, for sure. Well, any Mario, I think any Mario game is going to be a staple flagship game of whatever the Nintendo console is at the time. Yeah. And what about you, Seth? So I, I have memories as well as going to uh, um, the the different family members' houses, extended family that had the SNES as well. Um, I remember uh, specifically at our aunt's uh, playing the Tiny Toon Adventures game. The Tiny oh Toon yeah, Adventures Buster busts loose. Yeah, and um, I also remember playing the the Super Star Wars games, and it was uh, it was fun. I uh, I think we also played some uh, Kirby Superstar too. Uh, yeah, I couldn't remember who owned Kirby Superstar if it was our aunt or 
the family friend, but I do remember playing Kirby Superstar like on the actual system. Right. I also um, really got to fall in love with like tactical RPGs and RPGs um, by watching uh, a friend of the family. I don't know if he actually listens to the podcast, but a guy by the name of Dan. I think I've mentioned him in the past. Uh, we he had Final Fantasy three six on this on the SNES. Uh, so Final Fantasy, if the Final Fantasy series has a different na- numbering based on where it's released. So mm-hmm. in America, the Final Fantasy on the SNES was, well, there was a few, but there was Final Fantasy 3 that I watched. In Japan, it was Final Fantasy 6. So yeah. people go back and forth about what to call it. So I call it 3-6. And... <laughs> That I watched that game be played, and that game actually was one of the games that really got me into like RPG games and stuff like that. Just watching uh, Dan play it. Yeah, I, I think the thing that the the uh, from what I remember playing early Super Nintendo games, um, and, and and going back and playing Super Nintendo games now, is that um, the 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 major difference I always noticed between the Super Nintendo and the Sega were two things, and that was the the sound quality was always way better. Um, Super Nintendo games had more of like the music just sounded more almost like orchestrated, like clear where Sega Genesis right. relied a lot on like the, a lot of heavy synth noises and stuff like that. And uh, the, the graphical difference was something that I used to notice while the Sega Genesis games looked nice. The super Nintendo always had a lot of like parallax scrolling going on. And um, it, it utilized something called um, the super FX chip on some of the cartridges to kind of give a, um, almost fake 3D look to certain um, graphical elements. So if you've ever played a game like, actually, Final Fantasy does it really well um, in the opening where the map I think right. rotates, so it goes from being like a top-down perspective to being a, like a sideways perspective. Yeah, kind of. and I, I think anytime you travel as well, or if you take, there's a point in time in the game where you get an airship. Yes, yeah. fly the airship. It's done, I believe, in the same uh, uses the Super FX chip. Yeah, exactly. Um, and of course, Star Fox was the game right. that kind of heavily relied on the Super FX chip. The whole game was made using almost like 3D looking graphics, um, which was very, very unique for the time. I think we had a. I feel like we had a family friend that had a copy of that game. Of um, the original Star Fox? Of the original the, Star Fox. Star Fox for the SNES? Was it the original? Yeah, I, I yeah. feel like I remember playing it at someone's house and just being very impressed by it because it was like it was a 3d game on on uh on a console which was right really unprecedented to me growing up with sega um you know we didn't have 3d games like like star fox yeah no definitely i i think that uh that star fox on the snes was a a pretty uh staple like uh really showing off the use of the super fx chip as it were yeah. to be able to kind of show you the capabilities of the machine and how different it was from the NES. I always also felt that the SNES was all, like, I felt like it was brighter. It might have been because on the Super Nintendo that we would go and see, we would be playing games like Tiny Toons, which is going to be brighter naturally, versus, like, Vector Man on the Sega Genesis. Yeah. So I, but I always felt, like, personally, I always... When I think of like SNES games, like off the off the rip, I just think of like um, Zelda game, the Link to the Past, and the Tiny Toon Adventure games. Both of those are very bright, colorful games. Yeah, and yeah. they really show off the palette. Um, versus like Sonic the Hedgehog, he's blue. It's kind of bright, but it's just like it's also very fast. So it's like, and I think that was something that Nintendo um, they kind of wanted to be known to be a for the most part a family system right so they they like to use bright colors a lot you look at super mario world uh or for example yoshi's island which came out a little later and it uses a lot of like pastels um and, and bright colors um whereas with like a game like sonic where yeah like you know green hill zone is a very bright and colorful level um the, the levels start to kind of get a little darker as you go through them you know starlight zone and, and spring yard zone are kind of more industrial looking have darker um, colors to them as opposed to kind of bright in your face colors did you want to get into the game specifically and uh, talk about them more in depth yeah i mean um taking a look at a game like um i mean we could start off with just talking about the super star wars games those are the ones that i think we, we both have strong memories of uh so uh, 
going back to also when we talked about star wars games the super star wars games came out in the in um pretty much all of them came out in in the 90s yep we had the original uh super star wars come out and it came out in 1992 uh in north america uh the empire strikes back came out in 1993 and the super star wars return of the jedi came out in 1994 and the one i have the most memories playing is the return of the jedi one yeah, um, yep. which I think was the, I think that was the one that our, our our family friend had. I think that was the only one they had. Um, yes, I believe so too. I don't believe they had the other ones. Wait, they might have had uh, the Empire Strikes Back one though. Uh, the thing I remember most about Super Return of the Jedi was just how hard it was, especially the opening scene. So in the opening scene of the game, it's not even a scene from the movie. You're you're flying on a land speeder on this like narrow dirt path, and you have to jump over these blocks and these pits um in this kind of uh quasi 3d sequence and it is like it, it's just you keep falling off the path or you get hit and yeah you it's die it's like just, rainbow road yeah it's like rainbow road was the <laughs> but very in first it's the very first level it's like there's not yeah. there's no setup to this it like does the you know star wars you know the title crawl uh and then is this scene which it does, it's not yeah. even in the movie <laughs> and then and then you play as uh i think you start out as luke and you and you wander around uh, you actually you start off as uh leia playing as oh bosh. leia that's right right that's right you're you're bosh yeah and you become it's a becomes a platformer where you're like you get superpowers as leia so she yeah can, like, yeah blast things with her stick she can jump around she can spin a spin attack moves she's fighting all sorts of creatures on tatooine they're bug bug like creatures and there's all sorts of things leading into jabba's palace and the boss of the first mission as it were is the just the little globe that comes out of the yeah the, the that little thing that like pops out to talk to c3po yeah so if you watch if you have watched Return of the Jedi, which I hope you have, but if you haven't, it's part, it's the, it's just like a small globe. And it's not anything like big in the movie. It's not like an important character or any, anything more than like a transition scene. But in the game, it is the first boss. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is the, the, gigantic. The thing, the thing appears for less than like thirty seconds in the in the in the movie, and is a substantial boss in the game <laughs> that is very difficult. I mean, that's the thing I remember most about the games is that, the, or at least Return of the Jedi, was that it was just hard as hell to play. Yeah, uh, and you didn't get to pick your character until after you beat that. Uh, after you beat that. Um, oh no, you you did get to pick your. Character, well, you you would get to if you died. I think it would take you to a character select screen. There was a character um, select screen right before you did the platformer, so you could also go through that beginning part as Luke or uh, or Chewbacca. Yeah, you couldn't go as you couldn't play as Han until later after you save him. Uh, then he becomes unlockable. Uh, but yeah, you could you could play as Luke or Chewbacca with Luke. Um, his his powers make a little bit more sense in the sense that he's a Jedi. Um, I, I I do think it was cool that um, you got to do your light, like lightsaber throw that they use in like some of the other um, later like 3D Star Wars games. They have a similar right. lightsaber throw where you can kind of guide the lightsaber around as it spins around and you know knocks enemies down. Um, every now and then though, you would encounter this like it was like one power up and it was kind of like sonic speed shoes and sonic where your character would just like accelerate at hyperspeed which saying it sounds like a really useful tool but these levels weren't like intuitive so you would be trying to platform on these small platforms above a like death drop and you would touch this thing that would speed you up and now <laughs> you'd have to like try to like jump through all these platforms while going like hyperspeed so it was almost more of like a challenge that it would create as opposed to a as, as opposed to a power-up what what i liked is that there's i'm actually there's a the empire strikes back one uh starts off in hoth and yeah. it's like you got this opening crawl you got this like setup for like a star wars game and then you get on a tauntaun and like Luke's like riding around on this tauntaun, shooting his blaster everywhere, and it almost looks like the tauntaun's like spewing stuff out of his mouth. And the yeah. tauntaun is like a a large, uh, just like a large mount creature that they ride in Star Wars. 
on cold planets but it it just it just has vibes of like almost like a star wars mario world (laughs) yeah yeah riding a taunt instead of yoshi (laughs) yeah yeah exactly um which i mean um going going from star wars into mario like if we could have one segue that's the segue i know Um, right i was good yeah that was good um Speaking of Mario World, Mario World is a is a is a of course a classic kind of staple of the Super Nintendo. Um, I th- think it's one of those games that's been ported over to pretty much everything that Nintendo has ever created. Um, it's it's on the Switch, Absolutely. it's on the 3DS, it's on the Wii U, it's on the Wii, and it's also in their Super NES Classic um, kind of mini console that they released. Yeah. Um, and the the thing I remember about so going from playing the original Mario Brothers. Oh, I'm I sorry. What think, was it? I, no, I just think I, I think I might actually go and download Super Mario World after this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so go, do it. Um, so going from playing the original Mario Brothers on the NES, which I played before, um, if I remember correctly, I played that before playing Super Mario World. It's such a contrast. Where in Super Mario World, it's it just so much more colorful and and fun looking. Like everything is just so happy. Um, the mario himself is just like he's always just walking around like he's in a good mood um and and you got to ride yoshi which i think was really cool um kind of added a new dynamic to the game where you could um you know uh, mario like taps yoshi's head and he sticks out his tongue and you can swallow enemies and if you swallow enough of them you'll get a power up um and the levels were a bit more uh grander than than the original um games on the on the nes on the nes um there was like a lot of secrets that you could unlock um in the ghost there was these ghost uh houses that you could go to uh, and they had multiple exits and if you exited a certain way it would unlock an entirely new path on the on the uh on the map um so you could get into different special worlds um, and and you could only if if you if you did this you would be able to unlock stuff that would give you um, either a faster way to get through that world that you're on or that, that that part of the map you're on or it would help you get to what's called the star road which was this like challenge world that you could get to in the end right I, I've actually so I feel like Super Mario World is a great um, follow up to the Super Mario Brothers three. So, yeah, because I feel like they expanded on the kind of choose your own world that you want to play in kind of concept where in Super Mario Worlds or Super Mario Brothers 3, they gave you multiple kind of paths that you can go in and Super Mario World just like expanded that tenfold. Like you can go. Oh, yeah. You can go pick up your, your Yoshis. There's different color Yoshis. Um, you can play as Luigi. You can um, the game. It was uh, I don't know if we mentioned it came out in 1990. Uh, it's often credited as one of the greatest video games of all times and uh, sold over two, uh, 20 million copies worldwide, which uh, means that it was the best-selling SNES game. Um, and there's a reason why we have a animated television series of the same name, and they also released a prequel called Yoshi's Island in 1995. Um, and like Zachary said, it's been released all throughout the world, well, all throughout the consoles, um, it was actually. I think this is actually the version that we played in the 1994 compilation. There was a Super Mario All Stars and Super Mario World combo, and I definitely remember the Super Mario All Stars game, which included. Um, it was just a remake of the four Super Mario Brothers titles, so you could. Yeah, play. Super Mar- Super Mario All Stars came out in '93. Uh, and it was a, it was like Seth said, it was pretty much just a um, compilation of Super Mario's Super Mario Brothers One, Super Mario Brothers Two, Super Mario Brothers Three, and then J- Japan Super Mario Brothers Two, which we called the Lost Levels on on this compilation. Um, and all of the levels were, um, or all the games were redesigned to have a more sixteen bit um, aesthetic to them. Um, and there were some tweaks in terms of the like what you would call like the physics and stuff like that um just to to make them a bit more uh a bit less glitchy where there was glitches back in the original systems and such 
It was definitely a really I I liked it a lot. It was it made I think it was also one of the first Mario games that you could go backwards. Yeah. Where yeah. You could actually um in all the other previous Mario incarnations, once you went past a certain point, you couldn't go back. And Super Mario Brothers, a uh, Super Mario World um allowed you to go back. So if you miss something, you could go backwards to do something or maybe you had to do, go backwards to solve a puzzle except in certain missions i don't think you are allowed to do it but um in some of the missions you are allowed to kind of f- freely go about you were still timed so like you weren't allowed to just stay out there forever but um it was definitely i felt like a, a unique it was that was something that i remember as well being able to it also gave back. us the yeah and it gave us probably the best power up in the entire mario in every, every any Mario or <laughs> game, which is the uh, the the cape power, um, oh, which yes. was a which was a upgraded version of the tail from Super Mario Brothers three, which allowed you to fly. The cape was similar in the sense it allowed you to fly, but you could also do this thing where you could kind of like swoop up and down with it. Um, you could gain if you gained height, then you could drop at a fast speed and then catch your speed, um, and, and use that to get even higher than you did before um so it was kind of cool to play around with that and uh that that kind of changed up the dynamic of pretty much all the levels once you unlocked that that ability right and then uh, final fantasy uh there was final fantasy 2 which is final fantasy 4 in japan and final fantasy 3 which is final fantasy 6 in japan um so i played both of them um i beat i believe i beat both of them or at least definitely yeah um final fantasy 3 6 uh i talk about that one because i personally like that one more um it was ranked the second best rpg of all times back in 2017 by ing so it doesn't really matter but it was um they that game came out in 1994 um and you played as like this group of people as you do in most Final Fantasy games. And you could... um, There was uh, essentially 14 permanent playable characters. And you played as this this girl who... uh, The the starting character, the main character, is a half-human, half-esper, which is like a magical race, I guess, in Final Fantasy. And she's enslaved to this evil empire... And she has to do what this empire has to, like, forces her to do. And she runs around in this, like, mech armor. And um, eventually she runs into uh, a character by the name of Locke, who is a treasure hunter. Uh, This is the starting character's name is Tara. And she runs into a character named Locke. And he is a treasure hunter and a rebel sympathizer. Sympathizer? And he likes to protect people, so he protects Tara. And him and Tara, essentially, Tara ends up being very much not in the mindset throughout part of the game because she's kind of trying to free herself from the Empire shackles. And so she and him kind of wander through trying to escape the Empire and then eventually recruit people and become like a, a rebellion and then they go up against the Empire and so on and so forth. Um, but that, that, it's a great Final Fantasy game. If you, I, I actually recommend it, even if you don't like Final Fantasy games, I recommend, uh, Final Fantasy, uh, three, six. It's just like the story is really, really enjoyable and I liked it a lot. Um, yeah. And, and what's nice about the Final Fantasy games is despite there being a number in the title, you don't have to have played the, the first ones. Um, right in order to go into this one um i mean you could if you want to kind of get some experience with at least the type of game but um it, it's definitely not a requirement you can jump yeah. right into final fantasy 3 um without any time playing final fantasy 1 or one, 2 one, or... One, two. uh 2 is uh, the other game that was on the snes um that i played where it's also known as 4 and this one you're playing as a another large cast most final fantasies have multiple characters that you can play as 
and you play as uh, there's 12 playable characters in this one and the main character is this guy by the name of Cecil who's a dark knight and he ends up um, essentially he joins up a bunch of people and he has to save the uh, the world from ending <laughs> and uh, so it's like it's him and he hangs out with uh, uh, a dragoon and a white mage and there's an engineer and the people who like Final Fantasy who listen to our podcast are like yelling at me right now but uh, <laughs> it's essentially the uh, they have to they have to save the world and uh, they do that so I obviously based on my description of both these games remember more fondly 3-6 versus 2-4 but I did I I enjoyed 2-4 while I was playing it, for sure. Yeah, and the company that made Final Fantasy Square, um, they definitely weren't um, they weren't unfamiliar with working for on the Super Nintendo. Um, they created a bunch of games for it, including Chrono Trigger, Secret of Mana. Um, I believe the one of the games in the Romancing Saga came out in there. And they also worked with uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, um, the creator of Mario, on Super Mario RPG, which was a role-playing game um, is set in the Mario universe, um, which um, I, I played definitely more than I played Final Fantasy, but um, it's it definitely a great RPG game. Um, the cool thing, uh, Super Mario RPG is your generic story about, um, about Mario. Mario is um, going to visit the princess. Bowser has kidnapped the princess. Mario fights Bowser. And then the pr- princess is further kidnapped. Um, although this time by like a giant evil sword. Um, and Mario has to go through the Mushroom Kingdom. Um, kind of recruiting different people uh, to kind of team up and help fight um, Bowser's enemies. Or Bowser's uh, kind of minions. And uh, the cool thing about it is being an RPG... Um, it uses kind of the turn-based strategy element that um, Final Fantasy made use of, but the um, one of the differences is that it made use of these kind of uh, action commands so that when you, for example, went to go attack an enemy, if you timed a button combo right, you could do like double damage onto that enemy, um, which was was a cool thing, uh, cool thing to experience in the game. You know, it kind of rewards you for. Um, essentially for button mashing if you're really if you're quick enough um but you know it's it's a it's a it's a overall a fun rpg game it's kind of i would consider more of like a beginner's rpg if you're a bit daunted by kind of the bigger rpgs um like final fantasy you might want to give you know super mario rpg a shot just to kind of get familiar with the type of gameplay right right yeah it's i i definitely i yeah i I've far more experience personally with uh, the Final Fantasy RPGs versus Super Mario RPG. I get Super Mario RPG was kind of a precursor to Paper Mario, wasn't it? Isn't Paper Mario yeah. RPG kind of? Yeah, that was. I think was that on the N sixty four? Was that also on the SNES? That was on the N sixty four Paper Mario, and I think Paper Mario was actually um, initially billed as Super Mario RPG two, and then they just oh. changed the title to Paper Mario. Nice. I remember um, Paper Mario. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and Paper Mario carries over a lot of the same gameplay mechanics, such as the kind of timing your timing your attacks to do more damage. Um, and then there's, a, of course, another um, popular RPG game. I, I haven't played a ton of it. I played through mostly more recently, but it's Earthbound, um, known as Mother 2 in Japan. It's part of the Mother Trilogy over there. And Earthbound is kind of a cool... Um, RPG game because it's more of a subversion of the RPG genre and unfortunately did really terrible here in terms of sales um, mostly due to some really bad marketing that they used Um, they tried to do like a gross out campaign through the Nintendo Power Magazine by having like a scratch and sniff thing on the pages with the Earthbound um, uh, ads Um, and it was also more of an expensive game because it came in an oversized box with an entire walkthrough manual inside of it. Um, so it was pricier, and it just didn't wasn't advertised well. Um, I, but I, I, I was gonna say, I think a lot of Earthbound, like NES, got a lot of um, res- like notoriety from Super Smash Brothers when he was included in that for the N sixty four. 
Yeah, definitely. And um, the, the kind of the difference between a game like Earthbound and a game like Final Fantasy or, or Super Mario RPG is that it's not set in really a fantasy setting. It's actually set in a small town that is um, stylized as kind of a Americana or Western town. Um, not Western, like Old West, but, you know, like a kind Western, of American... Yeah. Yeah, Americanized. like American, Americanized town. Um, the music is not like orchestrated or anything. It's all like like use of like reggae and like salsa and dub music, um, and there's like ska in it and stuff like that. It 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 it's very much pop culture ingrained, um, but it does some cool things with the actual gameplays where if you get to a certain level, in your uh, your character gets to a certain level and you do a random encounter, um, you don't actually have to fight an enemy if it's a lower level than you so um in most rpg games when you're when you're going around you'll do these random encounters where the enemies will kind of pop up out of nowhere um and you'll have to fight them no matter what and when you get overpowered in a game this kind of becomes tedious and it's usually one of the major criticisms of rpg games is what's called grinding um where you know you're fighting all these low level enemies all the time and you're just beating them in one hit go so um, Earthbound does something cool where if it's determined by the game that you have a higher probability of beating the enemy that you're encountering, you will automatically win and you'll gain the experience points. Um, so it pretty much cuts down um, a lot of grinding um, when you get later in the game um, so that you're still gaining experience points, but you don't have to sit and play through every single low-level battle over and over again. Um, which is, I think, is a cool little feature that kind of um, changes kind of the dynamic of how you play through the game. And I think uh, we would not be able to talk about the SNES without talking about Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. And so Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past is one of the first, is the Zelda game that comes out on the SNES, uh, was released in uh, 1991 where it, they moved away from the side-scrolling perspective that they introduced in Zelda 2, the adventure Because that did so well. And they went back to top-down. <laughs> yeah. Which, so if I played this game, I see if I just got the SNES, I would have been happy with this Legend of Zelda purchase. So they Link, uh, Link to the Past is a, a Zelda game, top-down. Uh, you get similar, you get a little more abilities, um, because it's uh, a newer game, so you have arrows, there's bombs that are, um, they're back, but they're now separate items. Mm. Uh, you, instead of using a rupee to fire an arrow, you get arrows. Um, they, you are able to be a little more flexible, where you can uh, walk diagonally, and you're able to run. Um, your sword can now swing sideways instead of merely stabbing forward. So you can make a, you could have a broad range of combat. There, there's also a link to the past allows into the dark world, which is the yeah, first time yeah. that uh, there's a two parallel worlds where you can travel between. The first being the light world, which is ordinary Hyrule. The dark world is create was created when Ganon corrupted the sacred world. Uh, so this is this theme of the two different parallel worlds uh, comes into play in later Zelda games and it's first introduced in this uh, SNES game so it's not in the previous two games yeah and the use of the two parallel worlds is really cool for uh, puzzle solving in in the game there's right. sometimes there's areas in the ordinary Hyrule in the light world as it is um, that you can't get past so you need to travel to the dark world in order to get past and then travel back into the light world so that you can um, progress um, so it's kind of cool the way it does that the, the dark world is um, the dark world is significantly harder in places than the light world um, but by the time you end up there you're you're significant you're have substantial more abilities than when you start out obviously but yeah, like 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 what Seth was saying, it, it introduces a whole range of new abilities, such as um, the way you the way you just fight. You know, you can do a you can actually do a spin with your sword, which was kind of new. And there's also a hook shot kind of uh, item that you can yep. unlock, which allows you to pull items closer to you or to get and, across gaps, which is and, later brought back in uh, the 3D games and the boomerang and stuff. In the boomerang, yeah, and the boomerang, which um, helps you out and um, it pulls stuff towards you or it will stun enemies very briefly. 
so there is actually uh, an Easter egg in the uh, the Legend of Zelda: uh, A Link to the Past, and that is it's called the Chris Houlihan Room. So there was a uh, Nintendo Power, which was a magazine publishing house um, back in the day. Uh, I think it's still maybe around. Uh, maybe no, they not. actually it's, just it's they, they, defunct. Yeah, they just went. They went. The, their last issue, which was issue two eighty five, was released in December of twenty twelve. So they they had a contest where they would select a winner at random to appear in an upcoming Nintendo game, but didn't say what game it would be. Uh, it was a link to the past. You got they the winner got a single room in A Link to the Past, which contained 45 blue rupees and a note that bared a greeting from Chris, who, who was the winner. And the, the the note said, my name is Chris Houlihan. This is my top secret room. Keep it between us, okay? Uh, the, <laughs> the room was found, uh, a, there's a number of different methods that you can get to the room. Uh, one of the methods was a crash prevention measure. So mm. the game would send the link to this room if it could not determine where link was going when he goes to another area so if the if for some reason your game bugged out when you left to go to another zone and it didn't know where you were going you would end up in this room and you would have 45 blue rupees and a note from chris hand um so that is interesting i also think that that's kind of interesting because that kind of almost plays back to uh, Ready Player One. Oh yeah, where, where they he, he kind of builds in the Easter eggs into uh, like a secret room where they have to locate within the code of the game and stuff like that. And I think that that kind of like when I hear about a game like Chris Houlihan's uh, Room, I I kind of just think about the the book and movie Ready Player One, which is a yeah, f- yeah, fun. Yeah. It's a fun fun novel as well yeah yeah it definitely has a lot of references and stuff like that yeah, too right things like that so uh with that i think that's gonna put a forked snes as it were so yeah we'll move on to our byweight pass um so uh zach do you want to tell me what you're excited about buying waiting or passing on yeah so my byweight pass for this episode is marvel's avengers which is actually by uh square enix uh, yes, it's is by it's by Square Enix, which um, has had is the company that worked on the Final Fantasy games. Um, so Marvel's Avengers is coming out in uh, September of of this year, twenty twenty, and it is a uh, action adventure game where you play as the um, Avengers characters, uh, famous for the comics and the movies. Um, right. It is, is not based on any particular comic storyline, and it's not set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU, as it were. Um, it's it's entirely its own universe. It's its own kind of versions of the characters that we know from the um, uh, from the Marvel Universe of, of Captain America, Iron Man, Hulk, etc., etc. Um, th- there's some cool things about it um, from what I've seen from the gameplay trailers, but right now I think I'm currently at a at a pass. Not really for any sense of the game looking not like great or anything to me. It looks very cool, um, and, and I'm happy that there's, you know, it's going to be a game available for people who love the Marvel universe. Um, I, I just, I, I just don't see myself buying the game or at least getting it like uh, until it's maybe like heavily discounted. Um, I did really enjoy one of the last Marvel games that came out, Marvel Spider-Man, um, which was on the PS4. Uh, but I think that was a little different where, you know, it was a focus on one character. It kind of gave you one mode of gameplay. Um, and I think that allowed the game to kind of be its own thing, um, where this kind of has like playing as a whole bunch of different characters and stuff, which I definitely think could work, but it's just not something that I'm looking forward to or, or, or really that interested in at the moment. So I, I think this is probably going to be a pass for me. Is, is this the one that uh, you sent the meme about to me where there was the Marvel avengers looking like they were not they were like actors or there were like yeah so so one of the one of the biggest at least early criticisms of the game at least from commercials and stuff from the from the early commercials that were at e3 um is that the characters all look they they all look very well designed but they kind of look like knockoff versions of their marvel cinematic universe versions so like the Captain America they have kind of looks like the 
the the kind of looks like chris evans kind of looks like chris evans but it kind of looks like chris evans if you just didn't know what chris evans looked like (laughs) and like the the black widow they have kind of looks like scarlett johansson but just not quite in the hulk you know kind of looks like ruffalo but it's just not quite there so it's yeah that's one of the things that's definitely not uh that's not like a deciding factor in why i want to you know buy the game or not i mean marvel's marvel spider-man um the spider-man they had didn't look nothing like tom holland but that is something that i've found kind of funny is that these characters i think there's a couple of memes going around where it's like you know when you can't afford the the real deal the (laughs) real avengers you get these guys just kind of like us right if you can't afford a real podcast you can listen to us you can just listen to us Uh, there's uh the game that i'm looking forward to i'm not even gonna wait for you to ask but uh is uh emily away three uh oh yeah okay the tagline for emily away three is it's 2008 and aim being AOL and its messenger is dead. Um, so the MOA Away series is done by a guy by the name of Kyle Sweely. Uh, he, I think, is pretty much a one-man operation and develops and publishes the games himself. The first game, MOA Away, is free. I think it should. I think it's always going to be free. And you play based at circa like early two thousands. You play and you AOL instant message chat people. So if you're mm. looking for an experience of AOL instant messaging people, Emily Away is your deal. Uh, <laughs> Emily Away 2 brings the game a little forward in the future, so it's like circa 2004, 2005, and the game has an additional story. And the, the game is a adventure game. It's a little psychological thriller, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, it, it definitely screws with you, and you end up getting... Like you, so you don't you type back and forth between these conversations, and you get to pick what you want to type about, but you have to like hit keys to in order to type. So you're not necessarily typing what you're saying, but in order to type faster, you have to type faster on the keyboard, and you have to pick things quick, and it speeds it up so that you can't really sometimes read what you're saying, and sometimes you screw up your relationship with the people that you're interacting with. Mm. Uh, Emily Way 3 takes place in the Facebook world, and it's when Facebook just starts, and there is uh, uh, people trying to... you Essentially, your character graduates from senior of high school and is moving on to college and gets a Facebook and starts chatting with people on Facebook, and they're, you're trying to branch a relationship with people on... It's called Face Nook. And yeah. you're you're operating on a Facebook. Uh, I'm gonna put this on a buy. I really appreciate the Emily Way series. Uh, I don't think it's gonna be more than fifteen bucks, and I think I'll buy it when it comes out. It'll probably also come out with a uh, a discount in the beginning as well. So probably launch with like ten percent off. It is coming out soonish. Is the release date? It is in Steam. It says soonish. Uh, so they'll send me an email when it comes out if it looks like something you would want to play uh put it on your wish list and they'll steam will send you an email when it comes out uh so that's what we have um so what's before we wrap everything up there's a couple of ways of uh contacting us supporting us and listening to us that's mm. what you do with this podcast is listen yes zach yes. if i wanted to contact us how would i do that well, you can contact us through a couple of different methods, but one is through our email, which is classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com. That will go direct into our inbox. There's also a contact form on our brand new website, which we announced in the last episode. It's classicgamingbrothers.com, and there should be a tab that you'll see that says contact us that will bring you to a web form. Um, just fill in the information in the web form, and that will just send direct to our inbox as well. Um, so it's it's essentially doing the same as emailing, but it's it's not through know, an email lazier, client. So <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a little lazier. Um, so those are the two ways to contact us directly. You can also indirectly contact us through our Facebook page, Classic Gaming Brothers, or, or through our Twitter, CG Brothers Pod. Um, and if you follow us on either that or Facebook, you'll also get updates um, whenever we release a new episode or have any other announcements to make. Which, spoiler alert, usually is on Sunday. <laughs> yes, usually we release an episode on Sunday, and uh, we'll probably have a couple announcements um, going forward, um, such as any conventions that Seth or myself will be at, um, or, or ways you can, you know, if, if, you know, if we're going to be in the area, you can reach out to us. Right. Um, you, we also have an Instagram it's called at Classic Gaming Brothers. 
and you can follow us on Instagram. We post occasionally on there. I think we post more on Facebook. We usually do, if we do have a, a visual medium, such as like our stickers that we have, uh, we'll post any visual medium on Instagram and cross-post to Facebook. So you can follow us there. Um, and then that's, that's contacting us. Supporting us, uh, you can like, follow, subscribe, share, uh, do all the ringing of the bells. Uh, we were requested by our listeners to sell merchandise with our logo on it. Not sure why, but we were. Not Yeah, not sure why, but we were requested by our listeners to have merchandise with our stuff on it. So if you want merchandise with our stuff on, or with our logo on it, you can go to our website. You can go to the shop and you can buy a t-shirt, possibly more by the time this podcast releases. But there is at least a t-shirt that you can buy. It's good. It's a Glidden. It's, I'm wearing one right now. It's cotton. If you want to buy it, you can buy it. We will. Uh, we have a print-on-demand service that we work with, and they will drop ship you a t-shirt. That's a way of supporting us. You can also listen, like, and subscribe, which is what we prefer. And also to listen, oh, to listen to us. Yeah, on a podcast service, any of them. We try to be on them. So if we're not on it, let us know. But we're on most of them. I don't think there's one. There's there, We're on things that I don't even know that we're on. Yeah, every uh, now and I, then I'll be like, oh, I wonder if we're on this platform. And yeah, sure enough, we're on that platform. Yeah, <laughs> so no, I uh, see the stats come through. There's some weird stuff that people listen to us on it. And I'm just like, yeah. what is going on over here? It's like Safari VR. I don't even know. I don't even know. I, did, I should have yeah. prepared better. But <laughs> well, well, oh, well, you're going to do it. I'm sorry. I, I guess I'll I, do it. But, yeah, you can do it. You, you can know, do it. Go, 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 go. As go. always, don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Zach. And I've been Seth. And we've been the classic gaming brothers. Yes, we have. And I get That's to do right. it next time. That's, That's right. That's right. That's right. Should I just roll the music? I think I should roll just roll the music. The music. Well, you decide on it because it's, it's, <laughs> you're the person that puts the music into where it needs to go. I'm just going to be able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all magic.